0: So friends, it's Pentecost, and I'll give you a quick reminder about where we are in our Bible story. Jesus has been crucified, buried, and resurrected. He's appeared to various disciples. He then entrusts his disciples to remain in Jerusalem and to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit that will fill them with power. As he gives the disciples those instructions, Jesus ascends to heaven, and the disciples commence with their waiting, hoping that they will notice when the Spirit comes. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts chapter two, verses one through 21. Let us listen now for a word from the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were no doubt Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in a native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each other in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygria and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytites, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter standing with the 11 raised his voice and addressed them, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. And I will show portents in the heavens above and the signs of the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall then turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who is called on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what does this mean? In the 14th chapter of John, Jesus speaks of the Spirit as our advocate, as our comforter, the one who will steady us. The Holy Spirit is the voice that confronts us in times when we're tempted to be less than we're called to be. The Spirit is the voice that calls us and claims us and says, I have called you by name, you are mine. The Spirit is the one who energizes and empowers and renews the church with gifts both ordinary and extraordinary. Those are the comforting ways that I like to imagine the Spirit. But the Spirit pushes us outside our comfort level this week and reminds us that we should not forget the fiery spirit of Pentecost or the power that the Spirit wields. Today we're reminded of the tongues of Pentecostal fire, the unsettling noises of ecstatic speech in every language, speech that sounded like the beginning of a drunken bar crawl to most of the hearers. It's enough to make us Presbyterians a little bit uncomfortable, just one day. The late Fred Craddock, who I speak about a lot, he was a phenomenal professor of preaching, tells a story about being interrupted by a student at the start of a lecture that he gave. The earnest young man in his lecture asked Craddock, are you Pentecostal? The room grew silent, and Craddock looked for someone from the school that might moderate and ask the students to hold their questions until the end of the lecture. But Craddock received no help. Realizing he was on his own, Craddock responded to the student, do you mean do I belong to the Pentecostal church? The young man said, no, I mean, are you Pentecostal? Craddock said, are you asking me if I'm charismatic? Again, the student said, no, I'm asking you if you're Pentecostal. The great preacher was getting a little bit frazzled by the student and Craddock said, do you want to know if I speak in tongues? And the student said, I want to see if you're Pentecostal. And Fred Craddock said in Surrender, I don't know what your question is. And the student said, you are not Pentecostal. And he got up, and he left the lecture hall. You see, Craddock's story can't help but make me wonder if Pentecost is a noun specific event in history, or if we should maybe experience Pentecost as an adjective, a description of something that continues to happen in the church today. Sadly, I believe the church too often only uses the noun form, identifying Pentecost as a specific event on a particular day with a series of occurrences that were observed and recorded in scripture. So like Fred Craddock, I imagine many of us would squirm or would not know how to respond if I asked you today, are you Pentecostal? You see, Pentecost is more than the birthday of the church. Although scripture tells us that 3,000 people accepted Christ on that first day, Pentecost is more than a mission festival or a dramatic faith-defining event. Pentecost outlines a new way for us to be committed of Jesus Christ as disciples. Pentecost calls us to be open to the possibility that God is calling us to do something specific and extraordinary for the sake of the kingdom of God right now. The goal of the Christian church is not simply to remember what happened on that first Pentecost— The purpose of the church is to keep it alive, that incredible energy and vision that entered the world with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And while we cannot prove what happened in that upper room, we can claim in truth that it had profound results, that we know to be true. Because what seemed like chaos created converts. Suddenly, the Jesus story spread from Jerusalem to all of Judea, and then to Asia Minor and Rome, and ultimately to the ends of the earth, Filling the Lord, fulfilling the Lord's prediction of the impact his followers would have. Despite language and cultural differences, nothing was lost in translation. Something universal was transmitted, and it filled a void in human hearts then, as it does now. So that's what we celebrate on Pentecost. The power of the Holy Spirit to transform people, the ability of God to bring hope out of despair. That's the real beauty. With the Holy Spirit, we don't have to summon courage on our own or have it all figured out. We don't have to fake confidence because Christ's spirit fills that void. And we can trust that it will always be there for us. So maybe, just maybe, the time has come for us to think of broadening our understanding of the word Pentecostal. I hope we will not restrict our understanding of Pentecost to something that happened once over 2000 years ago, because Pentecost is happening all the time. That's why we need to think of ourselves as Pentecostal, remembering that the disciples were told to stay together and to wait patiently for the coming of the Spirit. God calls us to do the same, to stay connected, to worship regularly, to pray, and to expect that something extraordinary will happen through us. This is the Pentecostal Spirit. And while I've been mulling all of this over all week, there's one question that really stuck out to me. And it's one I read Barbara Brown Taylor speak of. She asks if we still believe in a God who acts like that. Do we? Do we still believe in a God who blows through closed doors and sets our heads on fire? Do we still believe in a God with power to transform both us as individuals and as people? Or have we somehow come to an unspoken agreement that our God is pretty old, someone who we address in prayer and request, but can't really expect to change our lives? But what if we do believe in that transformative power, that Pentecostal power, What will we do when the Spirit of God gets moving amongst us? Will it reshape the living of our everyday lives? What would the Spirit call us to do? What might it ask us to be and how might we recognize that steadying, stirring, sending forth Spirit breathing at work among us? asking for an experience of the Holy Spirit is only half the equation. The other half is recognizing when it comes. Sometimes we pick up on the subtleties of the spirit and other times we need tongues of fire. Sometimes the wind of God in our lives is as loud as a tornado, but sometimes it's as quiet as a whisper. And regardless of its form, you and I know that encounters with the Spirit of God are disruptive, unpending our norms, recalibrating our certainties. And so that's what I ask you today. How can you recognize the Spirit at work within and around you? Do you believe in a God who can do big things? And what might we as individuals or together as the church do to intentionally invite the Spirit to let loose in our lives, stirring and sending us forth? Friends, the Spirit of God is breathing and falling afresh on you and on me and on us. And I pray that it may be so in this place today. Amen.
1: Sit at the table of the kingdom of God. The table has been prepared. It's not my table. It's not this church's table. table. um, It's not the Presbyterian church's table. But it is God's table, and God invites all who want to know him better to meet him here. So come, you who come here often, and you who have not been in quite some time. You who have not faith, and you who wish you had more. Come, the table is ready for you.
0: The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right in our great joy to give you thanks and praise, loving God, creator and sustainer of this world. Across the span of human history, you fed and led your people. Time and again, we failed you. And time and again, you meet us with forgiveness and grace then called us back to your faithfulness. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus Christ, the living bread, to show us how you intend for us to live. the faithful of all, all creation. Holy, 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 God of power and majesty. Heaven and earth are full of your glory, O God Most High. We praise you, God, for Jesus Christ, your word made flesh. He taught us to share the abundance of your love, feeding the hungry, eating with sinners and strangers, pouring out his life for the world you love.
1: all you have done in Jesus Christ, we offer our lives to you with great thanksgiving. Love and grace.
0: Now pour out your spirit upon these, your gifts of bread and wine, that they may be for us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your spirit, make us one with Christ and one with all who share this meal today, a great multitude from every nation. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor honor and glory are yours, eternal God, now and forevermore. Amen.
1: Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night of his arrest, he took bread, and after giving thanks for it, he broke it, and he gave it to to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance
0: of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. For
1: every time we eat this bread and drink of this cup, we declare the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. So take, eat. The feast is ready for you. Appreciate if-
0: Friends, the cup of salvation shed for you. Let us pray. Gracious God, may we who have received this sacrament live in the unity of your Holy Spirit, and that we may show forth your gifts to all the world. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Family of faith, we have so many things to celebrate today. Um... And one of those is the trip that Margot and a group of high schoolers and adults are about to embark on. Um, They'll be serving with the Appalachia Service Project. And so today during the prayers of the people, we are also going to pray for them and the journey that they have ahead. Um, So if you are going on that trip, if you are participating, I'd like to ask you to please stand right now um, and remain standing during this prayer uh, for you and for all those that are going along with you. And we know that there are so many more, um, that are going as well. And so we keep them in our hearts. So let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill your church that our worship will be ever more pleasing to you, that our prayers will change our minds instead of trying to get you to change yours. That our lives will make a real difference to real people in the real world. Lord, fill our lives with your presence so that more and more every day, all that we do and say and hope will be an act of worship to you and an expression of love to others. We celebrate today all those serving with the Appalachia Service Project. We thank you for their devotion to the tasks ahead of them, We pray that through the gift of their service and love, that they show others the infinite love that you have for all people. Lord, we rejoice to recognize them as representatives of your church, and we thank you for their dedication and your gift of service. We send them on with our prayers and our support And we pray that their commitment to God and service might be renewed. We thank you so much for them and the calls that you have placed on their lives. Lord, through Jesus Christ, you have given us peace that the world cannot give. We ask that you let your spirit of truth abide with us so that we may live in hope, grow in faith and keep your commandments of love. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God calls us to live out of our bounty, that all may have enough to live without fear, and so with eager hearts, let us joyfully give out of our abundance. The morning offering will be received. Let us pray. God of every good gift and source of abundance, take these our gifts and tithes and use them in your service. Multiply them by the power of your Holy Spirit, that they may kindle faith where it lies dormant, spark compassion for those who are even now being formed, and And ignite ignite us to action action on behalf behalf of the most vulnerable.
0: In your name we pray, amen. Now friends, we hope that you will stay and join us for lunch on the lawn. I will bless our meal now, and then following the benediction, Nancy and the children will lead us out with joy as we go out with the spirit. Children, still feel free to come forward and join Nancy. But let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks for this community of faith. And as we go from this place, send your spirit out with us so that we might listen for your call and become renewed in our faith and trust in you. We ask that you bless this meal to the nourishment of our bodies and we give thanks for the many hands that helped prepare and bring abundance to our table. In your son's name we pray, amen. Friends, may the spark of God ignite you. May the love of Christ renew you and may the Holy Spirit fill you today and for all the days to come, amen.